Hi everyone, my name is Haley. And this is Lara. And welcome to The Body Pod. All right, welcome. Super excited tonight to talk to Dr. Bill Campbell about all things semaglutide or probably know it as the brand names Wegovi and Ozempic. Can you just give a quick intro of yourself and then we'll get right to all the questions. Yes, I'm a professor of exercise science at the University of South Florida. I run the Performance and Physique Enhancement Laboratory where we, my research focuses on helping people optimize their physiques within a maintainable lifestyle. I love that. And so for everyone out there that doesn't really know what that means, personal trainers like myself that are in the fitness world, Bill, a lot of Bill's research, this is what we read and keep up on so that we know what is current in the evidence-based space. So this is a huge honor to have Bill on. And um, I think this is our third live, yes? I think that's right, yeah. <laughs> well, let's go ahead and get right to all of the good stuff because we wanna try to keep this around 45 minutes. I know it's late for you. Can you, I think everyone and their dog knows what Ozempic is, but can you just give a description of this new class of drugs and do? Yeah, so the the, the actual drug name is called semaglutide, and the trade name is Ozempic and Wegovy in terms of the injectables that people will take. So the, again, I just call it semaglutide because that kind of, that, that covers both trade names. And really what semaglutide is, it's very similar in, in structure. So chemically speaking, the chemical structure is very similar to a, a peptide or a hormone that our own bodies make, primarily in our, in our um, intestines. So that hormone is called glucagon-like peptide one. So our bodies naturally release glucagon-like peptide one, and semaglutide is very similar in structure. So similar, in fact, that the receptor that our bodies have that will bind to GLP-1, which is our natural hormone, semaglutide will bind to the receptor. So if you ever hear the term a GLP-1 agonist, which is what semaglutide is, the agonist part just means that it can bind to the receptor. Okay, perfect. So as we hear about this, I mean, every day I feel like there's a headline that's like the miracle drug that's changing, you know, the obesity epidemic. Uh, we hear that the Kardashians and all of the celebrities are on it. So then we start, I think everyone knows somebody that is probably on it. So here we have all of this information, but uh, as I said, it's very polarizing. People are like, it's for type two diabetes. Um, it has been approved for weight loss. And I know there's one that has been, that's type two diabetes and there's one that's been approved for weight loss, but could you tell us the difference there? Yeah, so when you hear Ozempic, that think of type two diabetes and Wegovy is for weight loss. And the way that I remember that is Wegovy starts with a W and so does weight loss. Now that is how they were approved by the FDA. So. Ozempic was initially approved for type 2 diabetics. 
And one, I'm happy to explain just how it works in the body. And it kind of makes sense when you look at, oh, that would help for for people with diabetes. And then, so Ozempic for type two diabetes, I think it was approved in 2018. Wagovi was approved for weight loss in 2021. Now, we can, people can get technical and say, oh, one's for one, one's for the other. My, my observation is it doesn't matter because everybody's using it. A lot of most people that I, that in my space, they're getting reports of people using it for weight loss. So even the one that's designed for, for people with type two diabetes, those people, there are other people using it off label for weight loss, even though Ozempic really was approved for type two diabetes. Okay, and at least in the United States, there is a shortage of this medication because so many people have jumped on board, correct? Yes, and that's some problematic in the sense that people with type 2 diabetes, and now I, I know of these people because they reach out to me, they can't get the medication that they need for their disease because of the shortage, because the demand is so high. Now, I, I guess one of, I'll just call this my opinion. My opinion is, and again, I think um, you probably appreciate, I'm not for the medication, nor am I against it. I'm kind of like you, like, let me give you the research and then I'll tell you the positives, the negatives, but ultimately that's up to the individual and their, and their healthcare professional to, to determine. But there, it does seem as though there's a lot of people that don't need it for type two diabetes or they're not obese and they're wanting the drug. And so that's what's causing the shortage. And then something else, I don't know if you're familiar with compounding agencies. So that has created, I, I, and I'm not, this is not my area, but what I, what I think I've learned is that when, an, when a drug is deemed sh- in shortage by the FDA, that then puts kind of a green light for compounding pharmacies to synthesize the drug themselves and it's it's acceptable while it's while it while there's a shortage so they are getting around the shortage with compounding pharmacies that are synthesizing it you know in in their in these pharmacies and that's helping some of this um but the the problem that that creates is then the drug manufacturers are not getting revenue as far as I know, and again, this is not my area, but I believe they, they don't get the money um, that they have when they invested all you know the millions of dollars to create the drug. Mm-hmm. So the, there is a shortage that I'm aware of. The, I tried to look recently, and the last time I looked on the FDA website, it says it was it was under construction. They, it was down. So, I, but I, I am under the impression there's still a shortage, and we just talked about some of the the fallout from that. Yes, I mean this is what is astounding to me so i know we had this conversation where you said that you had seen it being sold in like a i don't know a mall or something at some health food store and then someone just told me when i was kind of talking about this one of my clients that they're like oh yeah the medical spa you know down the street is compounding it with you know vitamin b12 and that's how they get around it and I thought like, well, don't you have to be a physician prescribing this? But clearly not. My, my, my understanding is that there's a supervising physician that has to write the prescription. So whether or not they're the person that, that we would be talking to, 
um, th that I'm unsure, but I, I believe there's a somebody, a physician that's responsible for the prescription. That that is my understanding. But yes, I I don't. If you go down to your where your downtown, there's no way that there's not one five storefronts. I mean storefronts. That's what I saw in my town. Like I was, I I knew this happened. Um, and again, I have a lot of a lot of communications with people. And then I went to my mall and this was literally, maybe that's what you were referring to. Like three weeks ago, I was there with my family and I saw this storefront and it's like, oh, weight loss. I'm like, oh, they must sell supplements. And then, no, they, get, they write you a prescription for the drug. So I'm tempted to go in and just see if I can get a prescription uh, or have my wife see if she can get one. My wife would never, she, I mean, it would be a crime if she could get the prescription because she's, you know, she's, her BMI is well south of 25. So it does make me curious though. Yes. Well, well I have to say, I was just in Utah a few weeks ago and Utah, <laughs> for those of you that, that know Utah or live in Utah, it is like the state of billboards. Like they're just everywhere on the main, on the main freeway. And I was shocked at how many billboards there were for this drug. And it was just like, you know, needs five pounds to lose. I mean, it was pushing it really to the average mom that probably has a little bit of belly fat and wants to slim down, which is I think what has caused this very emotional, you know, these sides for people that maybe have type two, a type two diabetic in their family and then people, you know, on the other side, I've heard from both as well that are like this, you know, they were very, very overweight, their BMI was in that range, and it has completely changed their life. Now, I don't have either of those in my family. And so I feel like I don't get a say other than being a coach. My job is to support whatever decision my client is on, or has. So, yep. I mean, I think we get both sides of that, but it's it's super fascinating. I mean, the last time that I've known of a drug that's had this kind of widespread, you know, popularity was Fenfen in the 90s. Yeah, and unfortunately we know how that ended. <laughs> yeah, I'm like, well, hopefully that, <laughs> you know, but the research, I mean, this is not a new drug. So like Fenfen where there were all of the, you know, heart murmurs and, all of that, I mean, do you foresee something like that happening? Or they've done a lot of research on this, yes? Yeah, there's, there's been multiple human trials. Um, I mean, how many? I, I mean, there, some of the more famous ones are known as the STEP trials, and there were eight of them, and those were just all on semaglutide. Plus, semaglutide is not the only type of, of GLP-1 one agonist. There's um, liraglutide, there's um, what, the Mongero, the, the terzapeptide. So there are others in this in this realm as well. But you're right, it's not new. Uh, I, this is pro these drugs have been around probably for at least 10 years. It's just that for whatever reason, and maybe probably the reason that a lot of the attention started was the FDA approval for weight loss on Wagobi in 2021. And just one thing that you you know you're getting feedback, I'm getting feedback. I kind of like to think of my career as serving fitness professionals. And and one thing I've been saying is don't ignore this. 
Yeah. Like, love it, hate it, don't ignore it. Let's make sure that we can serve as many people that are considering this, that are on it, people who are on it and had to stop taking it. And it's, I think it's to our detriment to put our heads in the sand because it's, that's the easy thing to do. Yeah. Yes, I, and it's not going away. This is not going away. No, only if we have like a, a return of like the Fen Fen fiasco, which that would be, that would make it go away. If, if, if the yeah. side are so severe that they have to pull it. Um, but it, it seems as though so far that's, that's not, that's not the case. Now, again, this is where you, you're going to have, I get the voices. Some people just can't, some people have no side effects. Mm -hmm. it, it's just, it works beautifully. Other people have pretty severe side effects. So it's kind of like, well, you know, and then, and then uh, I also need to say not only with side effects, some people don't respond to the medication either. They don't lose weight. Other people lose a ton of weight. So we always have, it seems like with anything, responders and non-responders. And in this case, that's true for both the weight loss effects and the, the, the negative or adverse side effects. Okay, so let's talk about how does this drug actually work to help with weight loss? All right, well, I'm gonna start my answer with how it helps with type two diabetes, and then I'll quickly run to weight loss. And as I describe how it helps with type two diabetes, we can, we will see very quickly that it, oh, obviously that will help with weight loss as well. So we know that we release it typically in response to a meal. Again, our intestines will release this. And what it does is it has three main actions in the, in the um, digestive system. So the first thing that it does is it will, once it's released from the intestine, it will go and bind to some receptors on the pancreas and it will increase insulin. So what does insulin do? When insulin levels go up, what does that do? Well, that lowers blood glucose. What do type two diabetics have that's, that, is un, that is unhealthy? They have elevated blood glucose levels. So insulin helps to lower that. So, so far so good. The other thing that it does at the pancreas is it will block glucagon secretion. So what does glucagon do? Well, glucagon's kind of like the antagonist of insulin. Glucagon will go to the, to the liver and to skeletal muscle, and it will break down stored carbs to increase gl blood glucose levels. Well, if you can lower or block glucagon, that's a now a second mechanism for keeping blood glucose levels low. So, so far, this is making a lot of sense for people with type two diabetes. And then the third thing that it does in the, in the digestive system is it will slow down what we call gut motility. So these, when we have food in the stomach, it works its way through the stomach, then, then into the small intestine, and then ultimately the food gets released. So what semaglutide or naturally produced glucagon-like peptide one, it slows gastric stomach motility. So it will slow down the rate of food working its way through our digestive system. And that also has the same effect of lowering blood glucose levels. So there's all of the mechanisms that make sense for type two diabetes. And to some extent, if you have food in your GI system longer, that's also gonna help with hunger. You also, if you can, um, if you can keep blood 
glucose levels from spiking and dropping, spiking and dropping. That also tends to help with some, some satiety signals. The real weight loss effects seem to be outside of the digestive system and operating at the level of the brain. So we know we have receptors at the brain level and we even have research, most of this is in rodents, but we, we believe, or I believe we also, this is also true in humans, that we actually can secrete GLP-1 in the brain stem and that goes and acts at the brain. And I don't know the mechanism there other than to say there is a powerful appetite suppressant at the brain level. So that's really where the weight loss effects are happening. It's happening at the level of the brain and it's the mechanism of suppressing hunger and suppressing hunger to very effective levels. So okay. there. So it's appetite suppressant and it's helping with satiety from the stomach, not the food slowing down, yeah. um, <clears throat> leaving the stomach. Yeah. I would say that's very minor. It seems like the, the biggest punch is coming from just suppressing the appetite at the, at the brain level. And this is so, I mean, that is the hardest thing. So I work with women all day, every day. Most of them, not all of them, but most of them are on some kind of fat loss journey throughout their duration of time with me. And it is so hard to, you know, be, be hungry especially when we have food at our leisure on every corner. So, I mean, I get the, you know, the, I guess, excitement over something that could help someone with a very high BMI to not just be constantly thinking about food all the time. Yeah, yeah. And a lot of the reports that I get from trainers, this is more from the fitness professionals, the biggest problem that they're seeing is their the appetite is so low that the subjects yes they're losing weight but they're losing it very rapidly because they're not eating enough protein now one other aspect to this and this is where i have to make sure that i I'm, i want to say i'm not an i'm not an a behavioral psychologist nor am i an exercise psychologist but there is something to the effect that humans and, and I'll speak for Western culture, there's a lot of joy and, and identity around food and eating with other people. Mm -hmm. So when you eliminate that, let's just say when you eliminate hunger, that's really impacting people's ability to socialize or having that desire to eat with others. And we don't know the impact of that yet. All I will say is, you, I will predict now there will be food scientists and anthropologists that will study the impact of these drugs on society from a behavioral perspective, not just the physiological one. Yes. So I have a friend that's on it and she said it, it sucks the fun out of life is what she said. Cause she's like, you just don't feel like eating. You just, nothing sounds good. You're kind of nauseous all the time, at least for her that that those were some of the side effects there but let's go to the side effects so someone's taking this drug uh you mentioned rapid weight loss which i just posted on my instagram stories from <laughs> from your presentation this weekend so i feel like i'm always preaching you know rapid weight loss 
for so many reasons is can be detrimental to it because I've had plenty of clients that were like uh, didn't ha haven't seen me for nutrition but like that I used to teach Pilates and and you know yoga or whatever from different states and they'll be like well yeah you know I just I eat like 600 calories a day and I'm okay well you'll for sure lose weight on that but what is that happening like what's happening to your muscle mass number one so that's probably the biggest side effect that trainers are concerned about as well as just the overall low calorie not being able to consume all of the protein throughout the day because you're on you're just not eating you're not hungry yeah and, and let me let me start with a, a broad philosophical perspective on the side effects and rapid fat loss because yes we, you were you got to see my evolution a little bit rapid fat loss bad but in some situations as my as my evolution as my mind has changed a little bit on this people who don't need to lose a lot of weight if they're the ones embracing rapid fat loss i like to call it crash dieting there's not much good that comes for that and again that, that's a different live session that we'll have but it's it's very it's a very great way to set yourself up for for um failure in the long term to, to say it kindly but when we talk about rapid fat loss, what we have to, in, in people with obesity, we kind of have to have the scale out and we have to appreciate, well, how much damage or what, what are the health consequences from carrying excess adiposity? And what are the negative side effects from losing weight too quickly? And that's a balancing act. So again, excess adiposity is not a, 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 it is a situation that needs to be reversed and for some people reverse quickly. Mm -hmm. And that is where these, these anti-obesity medications may have a lot of positive um, ability to help in that condition. In terms of the side effects across the board, the, the research literature in every study that I've read is nausea, vomiting, GI distress, just, um, um, and I, this one I'm not seeing in the literature, but everybody tells me this, that, that, that reaches out to me. And again, I'm not get I'm probably getting a, a little bit of a, um, a bias sample size, mm -hmm. a lot of very low energy. So we may say as fitness professionals, well, okay, good. You're losing weight. And now you can exercise more, which I think that's a huge opportunity and we can, hopefully we'll go there, but we have to also appreciate very low energy levels that 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 people have so it's not just as easy as saying hey now go work out or let's work out with this that takes a very delicate approach for for people so the research again let's just say nausea vomiting sickness stomach ache uh, lack of energy i've even heard brain fog a few times that's what the research says i'm hearing low energy I hear that from a lot of people, so not, not, not enough energy to go to the gym. And then what you also mentioned on the backside of this is what happens to lean body mass. So when people lose weight quickly, they will lose lean tissue. And again, I still, would, I still wanna hold out. I don't want people to lose lean tissue, 
but I don't want somebody that has so much excess adiposity that they're in danger of maybe not, 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 um, not being with us for another year or two. So you have to balance that. And again, I'm talking morbid obesity with this. Mm -hmm. um, what we see, and I'm aware of two studies that reported body composition outcomes with semaglutide. And in both studies, the subjects lost significant amounts of body weight but when you look at the composition of that body weight, and this again, this isn't my opinion, this is what is in the research literature, they were losing about 40% of their weight from lean mass stores and 60% from body fat stores. Now that doesn't mean a lot until we give that some perspective. First thing I'll say is when you lose 60%, or when you lose lean mass, that's not all muscle. A lot of that's body water. But I would also suggest if you're losing lean mass, you're losing muscle. You can have the argument, well, some of that's water, some of it's um, organ mass, et cetera, et cetera. If you're losing lean tissue, whether we call it fat-free mass, lean body mass, some of that is contractile protein tissue. So I just gave out the, the statement, it's 60-40. What we see in people with obesity, and I just call this the standard, the body composition standard. People with obesity that go on a diet, what they lose in terms of their body composition is about 75% fat and about 25% lean tissue. So it seems as though from the two studies that I'm aware of, and let me just say and, and anecdotally as well, people are losing more lean tissue on these drugs than they do from normal dieting. Um, dieting strategies. Now, wh why? There is no known mechanism as to why. I would simply say what I think is the most obvious, they're just losing weight so quickly, very rapidly. And, and I don't, let me just, I'll just give a, how I would approach this if I'm a fitness professional. If I have somebody that I'm working with that are on these medications, I'm almost going to have a, a template, so to speak, of and you know how we normally operate? Hey, let's get your calories down here. Let's make sure that you, you, you don't eat above this. I'm almost gonna have a reverse strategy, at least initially. Hey, let's do everything we can to keep your calories high. I know you're not hungry, but we're gonna try to set you up for long-term success and prevent any type of lean mass loss. And we wanna keep your energy high. So how many calories can we get them to eat? So I would almost be like thinking, let's feed you up to where you're in a 30% caloric deficit rather than if we did nothing, if they didn't have me as a prof fitness professional helping them, they might be in a 70% caloric deficit. So it's a completely round, it's a completely like upside down way of helping people with body composition. But this is a very unique situation where people don't have the appetite. Mm -hmm. So Another side effect that I've heard of and just seen through my own research is, you know, does this drug cause hair loss? And I actually spoke to a physician that works in New York and she, her whole practice is um, obesity. And so most, most of what she does, this is all she does, is put clients on this medication. And she's like, this isn't coming, well now, I would say, well, I know what it's coming from or what I think it's coming from, but you know, I was, I was curious of what her answer would be. And she said, no, it's, it's not a side effect from the drug. 
again, it would go to low energy availability, what we talk about, uh, especially in the, the female space, you know, relative energy, uh, uh, red S. So most everyone knows either red S or low energy availability that you're just dieting. You have rapid fat loss and, you know, you, you stay there too long and you're going to start having these other side effects that you normally wouldn't have, say, if you were on it for a week or whatever. Mm -hmm. Would you agree with that? Yes, I, I think the hair loss, uh, I've never seen that in any um, research as a side effect. But what we do know is if there is a, a very rapid weight loss, that, is, that can happen. But it, it, was, it is interesting that I've never read that. Um, but when you have those contacts, and I have some of those contacts as well that, of physicians that are prescribing it, those are, um, those are, that's like goldmine in terms of what they're seeing. Now, I don't know your physician friend, but, but I, I will tell you, <laughs> I'll just tell you my observation about the dichotomy of responses. It seems to me that the physicians that are in the business of prescribing this, they, they're a little quick to say that the side effects aren't that bad. And then when I talk to fitness professionals who work with clients, there's, they seem a little quick to say, this is the hor this is horrible for everybody. Yeah. So I can almost, if I ask your opinion, I can almost pinpoint, are you in the, <laughs> are you in the pharmaceutical industry or are you in the, the fitness industry? Just what I've seen so far, there, there's not a lot of, there's some people in the middle. And what I love, uh, I love when we have fitness professionals are uh, that are taking it because that is i mean th yes and uh, in uh, i did a um, a session for my subscribers and i had i can't remember his name but i took i i have his name he was on he was a very knowledgeable um he had very little side effects um lost a lot of weight so again you hear that and it's like yes this is this is good and i also i want to say this i don't want to live in a culture or a country where everybody is is obese it's not good. It's not good for society. It's not, it's, it's, it's sad. But at the same time, if everybody has these horrible side effects and, and well, let's just say the side effects, the side effects I mentioned for some people, they're horrible for most people that they're tolerable because most people stay on the medications. Mm -hmm. That's not good either. So I, I mean, that, that's when, that's when my fitness professional says, you know what the side are for exercise? Marnus that goes away in a, about a week. <laughs> There's very little side effects to exercise and dieting. Okay, so I'm gonna actually bring up something that uh, this physician said, because this was interesting to me. I just asked her this today on Instagram. And again, this is just one physician, but I was asking her about the shortage and you know, this is all that she prescribes, what's happening. And she said, there's 72 million people right now with obesity and 41 million people with type two diabetes. So she's like, from her perspective, she's like, it's not a, you know, is this better or is this better? If we can take the obesity epidemic and get people so that we're, we're way out of the 72 million, then the type two diabetes is not, is going to lower as well. Yep. It should. Yep. So I, I found that interesting because, you know, I mean, it is, it, like I said, that that's probably the most polarizing on this whole topic 
it, the people that need the medicine and the people that are like, this is, you know, lose weight the right way, but that's not, uh, there's definitely, I think as we start digging into a lot of the obesity, you know, psychology of it, there's so much more that goes into it than just somebody not having willpower or whatever. Yeah. Yes. It, <laughs> people, I mean, in theory, the people that are taking this have had multiple failures from attempts at dieting or fitness, and it just didn't work. And that was also for several of the, um, the research studies on semaglutide, that was a prerequisite to get into the study. Multiple prior attempts at losing weight and having an unsuccessful outcome. Mm -hmm. So, all right. If we're just looking at, okay, this is not going away in the fitness industry. This is like, what can we do? Because we know clients are going to be on this. I mean, I have a handful of clients that are on it or that want to be on it. And again, my job is to educate. Obviously, I, I'm not a physician, so they would go to their physician. But if they're coming to me and they're on it, what is my role as a fitness professional, like what, where, where does, where do we see the positive in this and how can we coach people that are on this medication? What are the mandatory things that they need to do? So I, I just globally look at, I like to call them opportunities for fitness professionals. And globally, I see an opportunity for people who do not want to take the medication. So how can, okay. You don't want to take it. What can we, let's help you avoid taking this. There's one. The other opportunity is people that are currently on the medication. So what do we know happens? We know low energy and we know loss of lean tissue. Well, we as fitness professionals, we know how to work with that. We want to have you exercise. We want to have you develop lifelong physical activity habits. So that there's a huge opportunity. And I'll just, I'll just couch this with, there's going to be a lot more people that can enter the fitness space because they've lost significant amounts of weight that previously were not able to do the fitness lifestyle. Hate, hate gyms, can't fit in the machines, whatever that looks like. So now a lot more people are going to be able to benefit from our services. And then the third area is people that can't handle the side effects and they're off of the drug and we could serve them. I think what we do is probably no different um, in terms of we want to try to do things to protect lean tissue. So that's ideally resistance training. But any activity, especially in people that are sedentary, even walking tends to build muscle, which a lot of people don't appreciate. But research is very clear. If you're previously sedentary, any activity will cause, a, at least initially, an increase in lean tissue. So it's, it's this, um, again, my coaching strategy would really revolve around if somebody's on it, what can we do to help you eat more calories if you have zero appetite? What can we do to have you stay active or start this lifestyle change? And then the third one is protein. Can, what can we do to help you get more protein while you're on this? And then also, if we can get them in that situation, if the side effects are too severe and they have to come off, well, hopefully we've developed some habits so that when they transition out of it, they're in a better place than they were without our professional guidance. Yes. And I, th I 
think that that that's so often overlooked, especially for females, which I only work with women 35 plus. And so I'm always like, protect your lean muscle mass at all costs, because the majority of women, they're already losing it. And when they, if, you know, if they're still having a menstrual cycle and they're not completely post-menopause yet, they, if they go on this rapid weight loss or they have a lot of lean tissue, you know, I've heard, well, I, you know, I'll just build it back up in the gym. It is so, it's such a long process to add muscle, especially females entering this 40, 45, 50 age range. It's just, you know, we already have this loss of muscle mass and we're just trying to maintain it. So I think it's super important, at least for my audience, to understand that if you're going to go on this drug, yes, you have to have high protein. You have to have a good strength program. And a lot of people overlook the behavioral psychology of it because it's not as fun as, say, like the education and the workouts and whatever. But it is the most important for that once you get done with whatever diet you're doing to not regain that weight that you've set that healthy lifestyle up. Yes, yeah. And again, that's part of my thinking about women in particular, the women that you serve, if we can get them just resistance training going into this stage of life, they're so much further ahead of the game. Um, and again, the, the, the medication kind of adds to this loss of lean tissue in some people mm -hmm. um but again that's that's where the, our strategies don't change in terms of the fitness stuff again we i think we have to work around lack of energy and side effects and one of the best things i learned um from from some of the some of my subscribers is when you when people initially get the injection that's when they're most sick that you know the day after so then we can kind of periodize okay we're gonna do something very low activity or not, not something that's not demanding for a day or two after you get your weekly injection but as that week carries on and the side effects are less and less well now we can periodize our our gym time during those during that period of time when there's more energy less nausea yes so you think that this is well you know this is a this could be a positive outcome for the fitness industry um i yes i definitely think it can be the end i'm i'm going to be honest that is not my natural gut instinct i'm an exercise and nutrition person so of course i want to solve the problems with exercise and nutrition but if 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 this can be help and I, it is helpful there's a lot of people that are getting a lot of benefit from this there's also some people who are are harmed by it pancreatitis um intestinal blocking so there are some of these these major side effects but generally speaking if you have a a culture or a population that's less obese they are going to be more inclined to want or be to be able to have a a let's just say to try fitness that again that otherwise would never happen mm -hmm. so i'm very optimistic on on that end and i would i mean i haven't seen much of this yet but i'm waiting to see fitness professionals say have it in their tag like ozempic trainer um semaglutide perfect you know fitness 
something or, because again, if this many people are on it, um, and again, the best people I think are the trainers that are taking these, that, that are taking this, they know. Yes. So do you think the pharmaceutical companies are pushing, you know, the drug, obviously this is a, I can't even imagine how much money these companies are going to make. These drug companies are going to make from this. And so that's why you see a lot of physicians jumping on board and maybe some, you know, physicians that might not be as ethical that are giving it to anyone that wants it. But do you think the message is exercise and fitness works or exercise and fitness doesn't work? So you need this. Um, so there's, let, let me say, the let me differentiate the pharmaceutical industry from some physicians i get people will they'll send me screenshots of their physicians conversations and there is no question the, the some of the communications i get are are disgusting essentially saying exercise and nutrition do not work it they it will not you need this drug and that may be true but I'm also being told there was not much of a discussion of the person's history. Had they tried exercise before? Had they tried dieting before? And something else, historically, people have been told to move more and eat less. That is the exercise and nutrition advice. But in your world, and I'd like to think in my world, we give tailored and individualized programming, individualized nutrition. That is, that is a fitness and coaching model that is for the most part unprecedented in the diet history of our country everything's been mass um not mass produced but just given a cookie cutter approach mm -hmm. so when we have these evidence-based coaches we know that you have to work with the client where are they strong where are they weak let's work with them let's and meet them halfway on their weaknesses let's get them to reach a little bit where we that we can get them to reach that's a whole different paradigm than move more eat less so there's there's that and then in terms of the so physicians some of them yes it's there's no question and that makes me wonder maybe you can ask your colleague do physicians get kickbacks on prescriptions i i don't think that they would but what I see in, in, in these communications, I'm like, of course, they absolutely have to be because they, who, would do, who would be so aggressive? Of, again, I, I don't know. I don't know. But I am curious. And then the pharmaceutical industry, I, I will just say that the comparator in all of the research studies is always exercise and nutrition. And the implication is that that's the that's the control group uh, clearly that doesn't work but the medication is better and the medication is better but again the standard with which they're testing that against is not a tailored nutrition and exercise program now that's hard to do in a research study i i, I get that but that is the the message hey and all these studies diet and exercise lost four you know lost two percent body weight semaglutide loses 13% of body weight. So it's obvious which is better. Yeah. And that's where the education piece is so important for, you know, the trainers that are working one-on-one -on -one with, with women or with anyone. But for me specifically, the groups that I run, you know, the women love all of the education and they're just like, I don't know where to turn, which brings me to my next point. 
So there's a lot of us out there that are trying to keep up on all of this research that comes out all the time. What do you offer where people, obviously that nobody, you know, not a lot of people are gonna be coming to the physique lab to be able to have any interaction with you. So what do you, what, tell us about your research review membership and how this, you know, works for anyone in the fitness industry or your everyday lady or, you know, person that is, I keep saying females because obviously that's, that's my audience, but that just anyone that could benefit from this information. Yeah. So one, I want to thank you for asking because you know, it's my baby. You were with me when I launched it. So thank you. So I offer a research review, which means I summarize two studies each month that are solely focused on losing body fat or building muscle. So that's, um, I bring the research to you. So I know a lot of people don't have the time to read scientific studies, but what I do is I find the best ones and I bring them to this, my subscribers. And the other thing that I do, which thank you again, you've, you've served in this role. I bring in expert fitness coaches, weight loss experts, physicians, dietitians, to say, hey, here's how we apply the research that, that I just summarized. So you're getting the science from me and you're getting the application from people in the trenches. And this is, if you go to my website, it's billcampbellphd.com or you can DM me and I'll direct you there. But it's, um, it's for the next week, it's $6.99. That's for a monthly subscription. And let's just say you don't even want, I don't wanna spend $6.99. Go to my website and I, I, I'm giving away what I call the greatest hits of year one. And it's got like six of the studies. I think one of the studies you were in that you contributed to is in this greatest hit. So it kind of gives you, this is what it looks like. I, I, okay, I'm very biased. This is, if you are a coach who works with weight loss clients, there is no better resource or value than what I'm giving. And I, I, I'm, of course I have to say that, but I actually believe it. Well, I don't have to say that. And I feel like I would shout this from the rooftops. And there's only a few people that I would back up. And this is one of them that I would tell my clients all the time. For $6.99, that's like your coffee for the day. I love how applicable it is to someone. I mean, I have plenty. Like I said, I always, I give education in these courses, but it will link back to your studies, most of your studies. And these ladies love, they're, they, they're into it and they can read it and they can break it down. You break it down so it's so easy for not only the personal trainer, but also the everyday client that just wants to know, what do I believe? What is evidence-based? What is the truth? And I love, love, love. I will, I'll be a member as long as you have it around. So maybe while we're still alive. <laughs> Until, until I'm out of this world, Bill, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a client for life for that. It is so beneficial. So thank you, thank you, thank you for joining us tonight, but also for being able to have that review that we can all go to every month. But I love that you did the greatest hits, <laughs> greatest hits as well um, for that. So anyways, I will link that in the Instagram below for everyone to see that's been watching this. But thank you so much, Bill. This has been fantastic. I went five minutes over, so I hope you'll forgive me for that. 
But um, it has been such a pleasure to spend a little time with you and talk about this subject. I, I know it's going to be very, very popular. So I'm sure questions will keep a coming. Yes, and I'm happy to answer questions if people direct message me. Yes, perfect. I will send them your way. Thanks for listening, everyone. If you enjoyed this episode, please consider giving us a five-star rating and sharing the body pod with your friends. Until next time.